passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This company used to be based around submissions. What happened? What happened? An English man has to bring back your tradition. British wrestling used to be based around submissions. Japanese wrestling used to be based around submissions. Everyone now is just too concerned about American bullshit and posing and looking at a camera and having a t-shirt. It's a disgrace. A man wearing skinny jeans dressed like this is the heritage of Japanese wrestling and British wrestling. So yeah, this is the future of wrestling. I'm like Brian Eno in the 70s, making ambient music based around traditional skill. I'm using something that's old and I'm making a new style. I'm doing it at the king of sports. another month here at postwrestling.com it is john pollock and wh park and dare i say this will be the last time wh and i begin this show titleless because between this show and our next month's offering we are going to find a name for this particular show and we're going to throw it out to the people as well but wh welcome back as always oh thank you john are you going to throw out any names for people to maybe uh, mull over? Uh, I want to get, I want to make this very interactive with the folks out there. Do you have, I know you've thrown one idea out there to me. Do you have any other ideas for names of this show? No. I'm very bad. No, cause names. like it, it's, it's difficult because you, you said as far as like, you know, finding something that's easily found, like easily searchable on, on uh, search engines, we have to have the word wrestling in there. Well, not hard and fast. If we have a great name, we'll go with a great name. So I won't be too restrictive on that. But no, I, I was always thinking like the one I, I sent to you, which was like you know play on words of like you know the two big companies, New Japan Pro Wrestling, All Japan Pro Wrestling, maybe Post Japan Pro Wrestling would be funny title. I don't know. play on the word of post uh, like pro res pro mm-hmm. posts. I don't know. I want to incorporate the name of the you know, the network we're on. You know mm-hmm. that you guys started. All right. So that, those are what I have. I'm not very creative as far as names go for shows, actually. So, well, that's why we have our listeners out there. So, yes. at I am John Pollock at WH Park Nine. We are taking suggestions, and next month we will have a name for this particular show. Also, in the interactive department, we will have the winner of this year's New Japan Cup Bracketology Tournament that 
WH and I joked about, and then we got quite a number of submissions over the, the last couple of weeks. So we will announce the winner, one person who did tremendously well, many did not so well, and I will alert, alert everyone that not one person that submitted a bracket picked Michael Elgin to beat Tomohiro Ishii in the opening round. Uh, including me. I didn't think he would, he would be up. <laughs> Dude, I, first of all, my predictions this year, I would have done horrendous in this contest because some of my predictions, one after the other, just fell on its face. I thought Ishii might win the entire damn thing. So I, I was very wrong. You, on the other hand, called it. You just called your shot and Zack Saber Jr. ran the, the table in this tournament. So we will get to that later. Yeah. Um, but first of all, let's uh, go back to the New Japan Cup final. Uh, WH and I have had a chance to watch the show from Wednesday, which featured the finals of the tournament. And we're going to just quickly go through the card here. The opener saw Shota Mino uh, submit Tetsuhiro Yagi in 7 minutes, 26 seconds. The highlight of this match, uh, WH, I mean, these two were fine, was Don Callis referring constantly to Yogi. And then Kevin Kelly, not wanting to just completely correct his partner, starts calling him by the proper pronunciation of Yagi. And Callis goes, what did you call him? His name, Yagi, not Yogi. And Callis just kind of laughs. And within a minute, right back to Yogi. Well, I mean, he's not Kenny Omega, so, you know, Don Callis doesn't really care, you know. So I haven't asked you. What, where is... Uh, where is your temperature on Don Callis? Do you, do you uh, watch most of the English commentary, or do you usually just strictly stay to the Japanese commentary? I, I pretty much stick to the Japanese. I, I've tried listening. I like Kevin Kelly fine. I actually think he's really good. Um, he's had varying success with different partners over the years. Um, I, didn't, I was never a fan of Matt Stryker, to be quite honest with you. Um, I think the perfect team would be like take um, Kevin Kelly and get Josh Barnett from Access TV, Access TV mm-hmm. put them together as a team. I think that would be amazing. Um, I will say this: like I listened to one show where it was Kevin Kelly and Chuck Taylor doing the commentary, and you know what? Chuck Taylor's pretty good. He's, he's not witty. That bad. He's he's done PWG. That's my only exposure to his commentary, and I, I think he does does a fine job. He knows who what he's talking about. You know, as far as the wrestling goes, he knows the names of all these guys. I think he watches the product. I think he cares about, like, getting people's names right. Uh, Don Callis, now, I tried listening one show, one match, and all he did was just go on about how great Kenny Omega is and how great Chris Jericho was and nothing else. It just really ruined it. He's also one of those guys that likes to name drop who he knows in, in wrestling, and that, that always bothered me about Matt Stryker. I couldn't listen to it anymore. I was just like, okay, name droppers. It's like the, the 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 straw that breaks this camel's back. I can't I can't stand people say, oh yeah, my good personal friend, blah blah blah. It's like okay, no one cares. Just call the match, please. I, I thought Don Callis. I thought last year he he did a very good job. And at this point right now, when I'm watching it, and I'm I'm finding myself, especially through the New Japan Cup, I was watching more of the Japanese commentary. And Callis wasn't on the earlier shows. He only did the finals, but. This is a guy who's spread extremely thin and seems to be living inside of airports now, flying all across the world. That as you're seeing more people pop up to, uh, to join Kevin Kelly, it seems that Don Callis remaining in this role long term, um, 
I, I think that he's going to have a place there, but I don't know if he's going to be the, the singular color broadcaster just because he's doing so much other stuff. And I think for these undercard matches as well, like it sounds like the difference on this one is very jarring where you have Kevin Kelly, who's been living in Japan the last three weeks on this tour following all of this and Cal is flying in for the final night. So you're going to see that difference. Yeah, I think also like Kevin Kelly actually like traveling and living with these guys, you know, like day in, day out, like he gets to know them so he can actually living it. I mean, he is living this this industry, this particular promotion. Yeah, and he's, he's getting to know these guys. Like, he said, he knows all their names. He knows how to pronounce them. And, you know, he knows their moves. He knows, like, their backstory. It's really it's really important, I think. I think that's what you get from when I can understand from the Japanese commentary. Like, they do their research. They know what they're talking about. You know, Milano, Milano Collection AT is, is kind of funny. Like, he does say, like, he tries to be witty, you know, in, like, dropping some English and just saying funny things. But for the most part, he just try to get the match over, not himself or what what he knows or who he knows in the company you know second match saw taichi who had a uh well a big last couple of weeks uh defeating tomiyuki oka seven minutes five seconds won it with a super kick um what do you see as uh taichi's uh immediate uh plans uh wh are you are you high on this move to the heavyweight division uh when he's not in there with a naito or a tanahashi no, because he just reverts back to like the problems he had as a junior, which was just being lazy, like relying on his gimmick. Um, people think some people say, "Oh, that's smart." He doesn't, you know, doesn't take a lot of bumps or anything. He doesn't do anything. I, I laugh at people. Well, not laugh at them, but like it boggles my mind. People say, "Oh my god, that match you have with Taichi with Naito. It's a it's a new Taichi. It's no. It's how do you not have a good match with Naito? <laughs> you know, eighty five percent of that match was Naito selling for him." And then coming back, his comeback, and then Taichi has to sell for Naito. He can't not sell for the guy. But, like, the all the undercard he's had, like, I, I was able to watch maybe, like, three minutes of his involvement. And then I'm like, okay, fast forward, fast forward. Okay, he's out. He tagged out. Okay, someone else is in there. Um, I thought they were going to give him a mini push. He, he actually beat Tanahashi in, in my brackets and went, you know, pretty far because I thought they were going to give him a – this mini push as a, as a reward for going to heavyweight and like, you know, like let's see what, what he can do. But you know, like Yujiro, Yujiro had that really great match with juice on the first night. Oh my Amazing. God. <laughs> and then like the rest of the tour, nothing. Single that that Yujiro. Yujiro match was just, I couldn't believe what I was watching. Like that was literally the best singles match I've seen with Yujiro easily in five to six years. No, it's, it's if he was like that consistently, he would be as big a star as Naito. I guarantee it. But he just, again, he just falls back into his character, his gimmick, and he doesn't do anything. He just doesn't care. When No Limit broke up, I mean, there was there was a lot of momentum behind, like, Yujiro being the breakout involving them and being responsible for the knee injury and where he was going to go. And it was, anyway, it became very clear, evidently, that Yujiro was going to find his spot and remain in that spot anyway. But that was quite the revelation. There was talk that he, the people were touting him as, yeah, people were touting him as the next Kensuke Sasaki early in his career, believe it or not. Not there yet. Uh, mm, <laughs> bad luck, no, Fale, no. uh Tangaloa, and Yujiro took on Togi Makabe, Michael Elgin, and Toa Hanare, who they are very much pushing as this out-of-control madman. Will they be able to, to uh, keep the monster under control, which... 
maybe this is a little thing, but I think WHU being one that looks at the aesthetics with a fine tooth comb, I can't take a monster seriously with such a nice uh, combed hair as Toa Hanare has. I mean, the guy just doesn't scream monster as a guy that clearly puts a lot of effort into having a side part and a perfect looking head of hair. Oh, I like his hair, but I don't I don't think it detracts from his like his character or like his intensity in the ring. I he's like really my favorite young lion that's come out in the last three years. So good. His his progress, oh my god, leaps and bounds and like he's getting the push I think he deserves. I, I'm kind of torn. Like I like the team he has with Makabe. I like that kind of mentor, you know, like uh, apprentice kind of relationship. But I, I really like it when he teams with Juice. I like it when he teams with Finley. I like those three together as a unit, kind of unofficial unit. I'd like to see because they're fr- they, apparently they got along really well with Jeff Cobb. I really hope New Japan signs Jeff Cobb and they put it, put them in together as a, like kind of an unofficial unit that just fights everybody else. It doesn't team with anyone else. Yeah, I'm very curious, more so than most years of this year's G1 lineup, because you can certainly go out of the box and see some some new blood in the G1. And on the positive, I could I could see this year being your year you get Kushida. I could also see this year very well being the year you get Taichi in the G1 as well. I think we'll get Taichi for sure. I think this heavyweight push will happen. I'm hoping Kushida gets in. I think this should be his last best of the super juniors and then move on to the heavyweight himself. I really want to see like some new fresh Gaijin talent come in. I I'm tired of like, I don't want to see KES in there at all. Mm-hmm. I'm so tired of them. I don't want to see Yujiro in there. I kind of hope they're going to like, okay, the joke's over. Let's not put Toroyano in a serious G1. Like we did it before in the 1990s. That'd be nice. Uh, so anyway, this match, uh, Went just under 10 minutes. It ended with a Tangaloa hitting ape shit on Hanare, which Kevin Kelly could not state on the broadcast. Uh, even though we get close-ups of Tangaloa, who they clearly have no issue with his language, including yelling to Toa Hanare, fuck you and your stupid shit, right before he hit this. And the ape shit, uh, for those that uh, want a comparison, this would be like the Rikishi driver that he hits and pinned Hanare in 954. There you go. Afterwards, Kevin Kelly is uh, plugging this Sunday, Strong Style Evolved in Long Beach, California. And Callis asks Kelly, are we booked for Long Beach? And Kelly said, well, I think so. Oh, because I wasn't sure. (laughs) Professionalism. Well, I mean, this was the whole thing of the last Long Beach shows was everyone was of of the impression that the Access broadcast would feature Jim Ross and Josh Barnett. And that New Japan World would have Don Callis and Kevin Kelly. And that would include uh, the Sunday night, which was only going to be New Japan World. And it ended up being Jim Ross and Josh Barnett calling everything, regardless of platform. And I think that's the impression everyone has for this Sunday. So tune in for the surprise of who will be calling what matches. Are we going to see Jim Ross like, are we going to see Jim Ross butcher everyone's name too? Well, I think we're going to see. I would imagine that New Japan World and Access are going to have to figure this out because it just seems very illogical, especially when you're flying these guys in. And Kelly and Callis did nothing last July. Like, they just sat there like spectators. Yeah, use them. 
So, Kevin uh, Kelly, Kevin Kelly and I just spent three weeks in Japan, and now you're bringing me to California. It better be because I'm working. Yeah, or just stay in Japan then. Just like I'm not going, I'm not getting on that plane. I'm just gonna go take a vacation to Hokkaido. It's lovely this time of year. Seriously, you know, Kevin he's got to be back for Sakura Genesis. Like you're right. Like keep me in Japan then. I'm not flying all the way to California and back for no reason. So you anyway. It should be interesting on Sunday. That's a that's a hell of a flight, John. Let me tell you, it, it, traveling from anywhere from North America to Japan, it's not fun. Oh, though, I mean, granted, they have a couple of days, but to be doing that show on Sunday and then you're back for another show Sunday and just, man, that adds up. That adds up quickly for these guys. But hey, that's that is the gig. Lance Archer and Davy Boy Smith Jr. WH's picks for the finals of the G1. Against Tomohiro Ishii and Toru Yano. And Davy Boy Smith, over the last couple of weeks, he has ditched his father's 1999 apparel with the jeans and boots. And now he is wearing, uh, like 1980s style Davy Boy Smith boots, which for all intents and purposes may actually be his boots from the 80s. Uh, when he Dude, I think they are. Billington. So those are, those are like the British Bulldog original 1984, like, boots that Dave Boy Smith senior wore. They're in uh, he, he, he condition. Wears like, I only am hesitant because these look in pristine condition. Someone else those. Uh, some angle. Maybe Johnny Smith. Maybe. Tom Billington gave a pair to him. Maybe. Back when they were the British Bruisers in Stampede. But maybe but, Billington took Davy Boy's boots and gave them away to Johnny Smith because he was so furious at him for going back to the WWF. Entirely, entirely likely. Though, like, Smith Jr. does wear the jeans and like uh, boots when he's teaming with Archer. Sometimes he kind of he's one of those guys that like he doesn't know what he wants to wear on any given day. Well, it seems to be a consistent uh, removal of the jeans now, which I I was never I I understood the connection. But I don't think even your hardcore fans, that's not a look you necessarily associate with the British Bulldog, nor is his 1999 WWF run one that a whole lot of memories come to mind. Other yeah. than him being uh, taking a rock bottom onto a pile of feces. Ugh. Yeah. 1999, <laughs> WWF. Uh, I have good and bad memories of that time period. <laughs> they, don't, they don't age well when you go back and watch them. Uh, they hit a heart attack to Ishii. He kicked out of that, and it was Ishii kind of fighting out from the bottom here. Archer stopped a sliding D, lifted him up. They went for a killer bomb with which Ishii stopped, and then Ishii la- uh, landed a brain buster on Lance Archer. Audience got into that, and then they distracted the referee, and Smith low-blowed Yano to roll him up. Ishii made the save, and then as uh, Yano tried to get on top of Smith with a stack, Archer just lifted him up from behind. They hit the killer bomb and won the match in 13 minutes. Yeah, Smith and Yano should never have a singles match ever again. That was um one of the lower matches of the... New Japan Cup, and you could say right at the bottom, given the finish and an overall lack of interest in the match. I mean, Toru Yano, when when he's going past that five-minute mark, it better be phenomenal near falls and a crowd that loves Toru Yano. And if it's not, it's very difficult. And that one was 12 or 13 that those two went with the count-out finish on top of it. Yeah, I think it must have been some kind of a rib on Yano by Ghetto. That's what I think. Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi took on Juice Robinson and David Finley. 
Very fun team, Robinson and Finley. This one went uh, 10-25. Uh, Robinson was getting beaten down, but then blocked the Ushiguroshi from Goto and hit Pulp Friction, winning the match, and thus, I would assume, uh, WH probably uh, never open weight title match for Sumo Hall between these two. That seems to be the plan, yeah. I'm going to say something about Juice Robinson. When he first joined New Japan, I wasn't too high on him. I have come around, you know, since. Especially those new pants he's wearing... They could tw- he could tweak them a little bit more to make them better, but my God, I like them so much more than Okada's pants. Wow. Which I s- still hate. I still hate Okada's pants, but I like Juice's new look. And he is really, like in my mind, in all of wrestling that, that, that I watch, he's like in the top three baby faces in all of wrestling. Wow. The other two being Johnny Gargano and Kairi Sane. Well, after this week, I think one Brian Danielson is in that list now too. That's, that, that's true too, yes. Um, yeah, Juice Robinson, he was my most improved in 2017. I think that this guy, uh, what, what a great story for him, you know, leaving NXT and then totally reinventing himself and realistically saving his career because he would have been languishing in, in Orlando, Florida, had he not. I left. love his promos. I love his promos backstage. He's just so like, they're, they're off the cuff, but like they have some meaning. He, he, they're kind of like freeform thinking. You know, have you noticed he he tried early on in the cup he tried really hard not to swear because he's like oh I think we're we're I think they were told like maybe cut down the profanity he tried really hard but then by the end he's just like dropping f bombs and all this stuff as it's like okay he can't he can't control himself either like everyone like every other foreigner in New Japan well and Juice would return later because he would be on commentary for the main event. Uh, before that, Minoru Suzuki, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, El Desperado, and Takeshi Izuka taking on Tetsuya Naito, Bushi, Hiromu Takahashi, and Sonata. Eight-man tag. They brawled all over the floor. Uh, uh, major emphasis on Suzuki and Naito, which those two look to be spinning off into something here. Suzuki caught a Hurricane Rana attempt from Takahashi and applied the knee bar, which is a very nice sequence. Suzuki was then elbowing Naito's right knee to set up a knee bar to Naito. Uh, they go to the floor. Naito's tossed over a barricade. The iron fingers were brought out by Uzuka, and then Bushi grabbed him from the floor. Sonata then ducks the iron fingers. O'Connor roll into the skull end, submitting him at 12.44. So uh, a lot here, but the big one to me is uh, Suzuki and Naito looking to have some kind of a program. Yeah, I, I, I don't think Naito's going to win the IC belt again, though. They they played out that storyline last year. I don't. I think it would be really kind of backwards for him to get that belt again. Perhaps that title match. If I don't know if you want to throw that out for Sumo Hall next weekend, like on a week's notice. Um, maybe ideally you save that for one of the Dontoku cards. Which, given the way they have laid things out, you probably don't want to have an Okada title match on either of those shows because you want to save the the record breaker for Dominion, and the IC title match could be. Jericho's uh, return, attacking Naito to do something like that. That's feasible. And then you get Suzuki and Jericho standing side by side. What a visual that would be. As as partners? Oh, as Fozzie plays. That would be amazing. Like, oh, Fozzie should do a cover of Kazai Ninare. (laughs) Oh, my God. So many opportunities here. Uh, Suzuki and Naito, they brawled into the crowd around the arena, and then they did an angle in the ring with uh, the junior heavyweight tag titles, including Hiromu licking El Desperado's title. The two teams brawled, and then Rapongi 3K ran into, 
and we're going to get a three-way match at uh, Sakura Genesis involving these three teams and the Desperado uh, Kanemaru run as junior heavyweight tag champions continues. Yes, I, I like that team. They're, they're, they haven't Kanemaru. quite grown on me at the at this point yet, but I'll reserve I really, judgment. I really think like Desperado is just like has all this untapped potential. You know, I, I really want to see a singles run with him and Hiromu because they were like um, they're of the same generation in the dojo, right? Yeah, and they came up with uh, Evil, so they know each other really well. So I imagine they might be like pretty good friends. So usually, good friends in the dojos are good are good opponents for each other. First, they're good tag team partners, and then they become good opponents for each other, or the other way around. So I, I think if we ever see singles singles match between Hiromu and Desperado, particularly if Hiromu is holding the junior title, I think we're, we're going to see like potential match of the year down the line in the future. Second from the top was Kazuchika Okada and Chucky e. T, which is a tag team that a year ago I would not have predicted, <laughs> taking on Kota Bushi and Chase Owens. Uh, Another really- team I wouldn't, I wouldn't have said you would have seen a year ago. Yeah, probably an unlikely one, too. It's crazy to think that a year ago, Kota Ibushi is wrestling under a mask on New Japan undercards. Yes. Very strange. Uh, they double-teamed Chucky. Ibushi hit a standing shooting star onto him. Uh, then some highlights here. Owens was in. Okada hit his top rope elbow drop, called for the Rainmaker, which Owens initially ducked. And then Ibushi just came out of nowhere off screen with a missile drop kick that took Owens' head off. Owens hit his finish, the jewel heist, but Okada kicked out. Package pile driver was blocked by Okada, and then Okada applied the Cobra Clutch to Owens, submitting him at 11 minutes and 51 seconds. As Okada, uh, they are emphasizing his submission, and that is going to be the story of the Sumo Hall main event. Yeah, I mean, like, Chase Owens is usually the recipient of the Cobra Clutch finisher and tapping out to it. So, you know, he's doing well putting that move over so it's good for good for him i'm not a big fan of chase owens as people might know but you know i'll say this i i i find his his promos a lot more amusing these days he's always pushing his new t-shirt which hey you know like gotta go to the pay window so i applaud him for that and then main event hiroshi tanahashi and zack saber jr a rematch from the g1 and they had their match in at the destruction card last september as well so, uh, the finals here. Were you surprised Tanahashi went all the way to the final? Uh, I guess you you had predicted Taichi would would beat him, but once he got by the first round, uh, did you kind of see it as well? He must be going to the finals at that point. Yeah. Um, as soon as I saw that, like Zach, okay, he's he's going the trajectory I thought he's going to beat Taito. He's going to beat uh, Ishii. I thought he was going to fight. Um, not Sonata, whoever else was in that block with Sonata. Uh, who did I have? My thing was like Juice, yeah. I, I Juice up there with, uh, um, sorry, with uh, a ZSJ. But like Tanahashi, the the story, like as soon as he beat um, Taichi, and okay, he's going to beat Fale. I'm pr- I was pretty sure Fale wasn't going to go through, but he tends to be a spoiler. But once he beat Fale, it's like, okay, he's going all the way. So it's going to be him. And Zach, um, I think the story really, the whole tournament is like Zach in one turn in, one, in two in a two week period just established himself as a top foreigner in that company. Oh yeah, yeah. This was I think that 
history will look back at this two-week period as just a tremendous example of when you've got a guy that you want to get up to a main main event level position, how you can do so uh, in very quick order. If you have the right guy and a story to tell and you have credible opponents for him to beat, and I don't think it hurt anybody, and you're right, Zack Sabre Jr., look how hot this guy is versus three weeks ago. It's incredible what they did with him in this tournament. Uh, it's a it's a simple formula. Like Chosh, the same thing with Mudo, Hashimoto, and Chono. In like I think it was the ninety one G one. Yes. So using himself as the guy to get all three of those guys over. That's where they became like the promising guys to becoming the three Musketeers was in that G one. And he used himself as the guy to like jumpstart, put them all over over the top, right? So the beginning of the match, um, the announcers, I thought, did a very good job here. And they were explaining just the need for Tanahashi to create distance because that way he can he can uh, avoid a lot of the submissions. He can play his game and also utilize his size advantage, which he has over Zach, that Zach negates so much with his submissions, with the, the size discrepancy. Kevin Kelly explains Tanahashi's injury from last year, stating that he tore half of his biceps tendon did not have surgery, and the scar tissue has melded the bicep together, and it will never fully heal. So if that doesn't make you feel uncomfortable, um, we have scar tissue holding this man's broken bicep together. Good Lord. God. I, I didn't know that. <laughs> it sounded hor- horrific. Like, that just sounds like something... Like, there must be an agonizing pain that this guy will just... It just accepts. It sounds like uh, Shinya Hashimoto. Like that's the comparison I had in my head listening to this. I mean, I'm gonna say more like Mudo because Mudo's knees are like in constant pain. He's got to get them drained all the time. He just had double knee surgery again at his age after billing an entire show around his final moonsault ever. I mean, that's maybe right. the maybe the first show to be built around a move. Hey, but if it's you know Mudo's moonsault, you can do it. Uh. Zack Sabre, he applied a Fujiwara armbar early on with another arm tied up, uh, got the rope break there. Tanahashi is working for the Cloverleaf. Crowd, very hot for him. Tanahashi hits the high fly float to the floor. Then they go back inside. Tanahashi hits uh, three consecutive twists and shouts into a cradle for a two count. Goes for another high fly float that Zack sidesteps and then locks on the heel hook. And then in a great sequence... Tanahashi goes for a dragon screw leg whip and it's countered into the European clutch and this place goes nuts buying this near fall. And as I mentioned, Juice Robinson came out and was on commentary for this match with Callus and Kelly and kind of took over for Callus. And while Juice is not going to be your traditional refined color commentator, his excitement was awesome. Like he just made you so enthused in this match because he was like a fan watching this match, and he was so into this. I, I thought he did. Uh, I, I thought he was a nice little addition here to the main event and having the connection with Tanahashi. And yeah, I, I thought he was very good in this main event. Uh, I'm going to go back and rewatch it then with with the English commentary. Then, please. yeah, I like don't go in expecting you know a, a phenomenal uh, traditional broadcaster, but I think just having a level of excitement that I think is somewhat undervalued at times too for a commentary team so finishing sequence uh following a dragon suplex uh he 
Tanahashi goes to the top, hits the high fly flow to the back, then goes for the proper version, missing and landing on his injured knee, which they did a great job of establishing that had he hit it, the match is over. But since he missed it, he's fucked. And Tanahashi tries for one last O'Connor roll, and Zach takes control of his leg into his uh, banana split, which uh, with the submission is the orienteering with napalm death. And what I love so much about this WH was that this wasn't a long-selling uh, sequence by Tanahashi. It was an immediate tap, as opposed to Tanahashi's loss to Suzuki, where it was forever it took Suzuki to finally submit him. Here, it was instant, and... Zack Sabre wins, place reacted big, 34 minutes and two seconds this one went, and this tournament will be remembered as the crowning of Zack Sabre Jr., quite the uh, handling of him going into Sumo Hall, where he announced that he wants Okada. Yes, I want to say, Taka has been great as his hype man. Yes. Fantastic. Did you see the the afterwards, the post-match press conference? They're talking about the warm beer. And Taka's just like, oh, shit. It's bullshit. They're <laughs> <laughs> just throwing away their sponsor's beer. Kurt's like, boom, this garbage is bullshit. So and, great. Yeah, Taka has just been a great little add-on to just the presentation of Zack Sabre Jr. It just makes him feel more important having a guy that is designated as his mouthpiece. It's the, it's the template of Okada and Gato, but different enough. And for all the... Assumptions that, you know, you do need a mouthpiece for Zack Sabre Jr., who's, I mean, this guy, his promos are not among his his strengths going into this particular tournament. After that press conference that aired on, on Thursday, I will never, ever question this man's speaking abilities again, because that was one of the great wrestling press conferences I can recall of a one-man stand-up routine that Zack Sabre Jr. had. He is great, though. Like, his... At post-show promos, like in the back, they're so amazing. That guy referenced the the Smiths. Uh, I think someone pointed out that Orientation Death is the name of some bit from British comedian Stuart Lee. Uh, he he got in a, a dig at the conservative government of Great Britain. It's fantastic. I love him. He's so good. He's like, he plays off like the millennial stigma of like all the negative traits that it brings up in people's minds and just shoves it down your throat and i don't know what it is but he his delivery is great um this is like a great main event for sumo hall next weekend i am very much looking forward to that match and uh, the key in the whole press conference was him stating i have no desire to pin okada i will submit him he will quit and give up his title that's right i think it's gonna i don't think he'll win I'd be surprised if he wins, but I think it's going to be a hell of a main event. I think he's going to go into Sumo Hall based off this tour as, like, people are going to be, like, so hyped. And, like, the first time he tries for any kind of uh, leg lock or armbar, people are going to go nuts in that building. And it's not as though it's just a, like, nothing, no value for Okada either. It's like Okada beating this guy has a ton of value after the tournament. Like. Just uh, someone beating Zack Sabre Jr. is incredibly impactful. And to me, it just enhances Okada that much more. I think they're going to have an unbelievable match. I think that thing is going to be outstanding next weekend. So um, that was uh, the conclusion of the New Japan Cup final. And 
For Sakura Genesis, all we know thus far is Okada, Zack Sabre Jr., and the three-way for the junior heavyweight tag titles. Uh, but that will probably be, um, that card will be more apparent after Sunday, where they have Strong Style Evolved, and they have released the full card. Uh, so we have the Golden Lovers against the Young Bucks, Jay White against Hangman Page for the U.S. title. Will Ospreay will replace the injured Rey Mysterio to take on Jushin Thunder Liger. Then we have Okada and Ishii against Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. That should be a lot of fun. Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kushida, Ryusuke Taguchi, and Dragon Lee against Tetsuya Naito, Sonata, Hiromu Takahashi, and Bushi. Cody and Marty Skrull against the Gorillas of Destiny with the Bullet Club infighting angle. And then the Killer Elite Squad against Toriyano and Chucky e. T. Juice and David Finley against Goto and Ghetto. And then Rapongi 3K and Rocky Romero against SoCal Uncensored of Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky. Uh, what do you think of the lineup, WH? Dude, that's like one of the best cards I've seen in a long time. Um, like, this is like, this could have been like Sakura Genesis. You know There's so I mean? many interesting, like, fun interactions in all of this. Like you have like honestly, I think Osprey and Liger is a great substitute. I mean, people would be down on Ray being out of this because it was something unique, but I think that's an awesome replacement. You have uh Dragon Lee and Takahashi. You're not gonna go wrong with, with those two in a ring together. Uh you just have so many interesting little combinations. Like there's something to every match on this show. I think this might be the first time we've seen a straight tag team of Zack Sabre Jr. and Minoru Suzuki since they won the Rev Pro British Tag Team titles from Mustache Mountain, actually. Yeah, and like I would assume that it's it's Zack Sabre Jr. probably submitting Ishii, like which is yeah. a pretty big deal. Like that should be a pretty pretty big uh, conclusion to that match. So I mean, it's gonna it's gonna heat him up for the you know Secure Genesis the week later. Um, I, I gotta say, like. You know, I, I, I subscribe to Rev, Rev Pro's streaming service just to watch this team of Zack Sabre Jr. and Minoru Suzuki. Because in my mind, of like when I put together like my dream tag teams, I think, who'd be a good tag team partner for Zack Sabre Jr.? Okay, he's in the Suzuki gun. Okay, I want to see Suzuki, Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr., two guys who just blend so well and complement each other so well. And they had a great match with Mustache Mountain. I think we're going to have another great tag team match with these two against Ishii and Okada. Uh, so to wrap up our New Japan Cup contest, uh, we threw it out there that you could send in your brackets. And the way I did this was that uh, for each round that you got a correct pick, uh, it was one point for a successful pick in the first round, and then for each successive round, an additional point. So two, three, and four points available depending on how long your picks lasted. So... There were a total of 26 points to be had, and the lowest we had was five. And of the, I would say, 23, 24 entrants here, uh, the winner was Spencer Tinney, who had quite the card, 21 points. So we only missed nice. out on five points here. Uh, as I said, not one person picked uh, Juice, or sorry, Michael Elgin to beat Tomohiro Ishii. So that was clearly the upset of the tournament. And... Yeah, a few here did pick Zack Sabre Jr. So I think clear listeners here following the direction that was set upon by W.H. Park, who called that one from the get-go. Um, so, yeah, I want to thank all the people that submitted this. It was a lot of fun to do this uh, tournament. And, yes, the real Mark Madness. 
maybe we'll do something similar for the best of the super juniors champions carnival or even the g1 later on yeah absolutely i think that we could have a have some fun contests here where uh you can all submit your picks so there you go congratulations to uh to spencer our our first winner hey congratulations Uh, spencer let us move on to the world of all Japan Pro Wrestling, they have a big card coming up Sunday. So you've got All Japan and New Japan with big shows on Sunday. And they've also launched their streaming service that I know, WH, you've had a chance to sample thus far. And what are your initial impressions of All Japan TV? Oh, it's pretty cool. Um, not much up there yet. I think they're going to wait until they go like um, full on with like charging people for it. Um, it's very easy to watch the, the videos in of themselves. Um, I think one thing I, I'm hoping is that the search function is uh, going to be a little bit better than, say, WWE Network, which overall is okay, but like I don't like how they filter their, their results. Same thing with like New Japan. Is sometimes the, I want to watch a match chronologically, maybe, like someone's career chronologically. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping this one's going to be closer to what I would like to see as far as the search function goes. But as far as like the way that the, the site is laid out, it's very clear. You can easily switch it to English. Um, yeah, I, I'm thinking they probably looked really deeply at New Japan World and said, okay, here's what we're going to keep. There's enough similarities that you look at. It's like, oh, okay, this is this part of it is similar to New Japan World. But it's also different. I think they said, okay, maybe we'll make this part better or simpler. You know, so I, I think it's really exciting to like finally like it's a new all Japan. It's one of those companies that in the last three years has really gotten itself back together again and gained a lot of momentum recently. And I'm excited to be able to be able to check them out when I want. So they've got the Power Dream Series show coming up on Sunday. That'll be headlined by Joe Doring defending the Triple Crown against Kento Miyahara. You also have Zeus and the Bodyguard against Ryoji Sai and Dylan James for the Tag Championships. Uh, World Junior title at Sushi Aoki against Shuji Kondo. And then Junakiyama and Yuji Nagata defending the All-Asian Tag Titles against Manabu Nakanishi and Takayo Omori. Yeah, it's a good card. I mean, I, I think... The best way to launch their their streaming service is to put the belt back on their ace Miyahara. He's the guy like there. He's their Okada, so to speak. So uh, Joe Dory's been doing a great job as Triple Crown Champion, though I want to say that um, I didn't like his first run, but this run's been really, really good. He's done a bang up job as champion. Do you see them doing beyond uh, something significant like a title change, like using this show to do something really big to? drum up interest for the champion carnival and make sure those people stick on board because that's kind of the big selling feature is is the carnival coming up in april where people will be charged and they've got quite the lineup this year for the champion carnival i think if you want to establish miyahara as a star to your international audience this is you have to have him win the belt so canada miyahara is going to be like the i think the focal point of trying to expand into a larger audience you know over over the streaming service so from that, switch the title to him from Doring and then establish like the next, you know, top three challengers who in my mind would be, you know, former champ Ishikawa, uh, maybe Suwama and, and someone, someone else, maybe Zeus. Zeus has got a good look, though he's better in tag team wrestling more than singles. So he had a good match with Doring. Go watch his title match with Doring. It's pretty good. 
All right, we're going to run through a bunch of topics here. There's so much going on because in addition to All Japan launching their own streaming service, Dragon Gate is entering the mix with a new service that will launch on April the 1st uh, with uh, a tiered system. So you can spend 1,500 yen for the complete service that includes live uh, broadcasts of shows, or you can spend the 999 yen, which is archive only. So kind of a system like the, the WWN uh, the club WWN Live uh, model. So Dragon Gate uh, joining the fray here, and it seems like Noah is the only promotion of consequence that is kind of be- behind the curve here significantly. I think they're probably going to try to figure out what they their like the relationship with NTV and Samurai is going to be like going forward because like New Japan has to deal with like they can use their Samurai footage right, but they just don't use the Samurai. Um, commentating mm-hmm. um, like stardom for example has a deal they can't use any of their samurai footage but they can use like their own footage from those shows that samurai is also broadcasting right so that's why like if you watch if you follow stardom and you think why is there no commentating because like they they have they put all the money in the commentating for the samurai broadcast so they just have like a hard cam and some other you know um, cameras here and there so it doesn't look as good as professional but something is better than nothing. I'm not going to pay for to get access to Samurai TV in my house because it's too expensive. Uh, it's interesting with Noah. Like you've brought this point up. I mean, if they could f- figure out with like NTV, they could have the best service of all. If they could get all that all Japan footage and on top of their own library, I mean, it could be quite an extraordinary streaming service. Um, Although at this point, I think so many fans, you're talking about a limited audience to begin with, that I think they've spread their dollars around so much at this point. Forget the international offerings if you have these fans that are also getting the WWE Network, for instance, for Progress, Rev Pro. Um, it just seems like now is a very difficult time to launch one of these and get a healthy audience because th- there's only so much money that, that goes around that you really needed to be at the forefront maybe two to three years ago establishing your foothold. I think what you're going to see is what what I've heard recently is called dipping. Like, okay, I'm going to subscribe for this month, watch as much archive stuff that I'm going to cancel. Maybe two months online, resubscribe again for a month, watch everything that I missed, unsubscribe. I think that's what you're going to see. It's it's kind of like renting, you know, a movie almost. Right. Yeah. That's not how I think... I think that's going to be the culture now. It's amazing. Like I go, I go back from my tape trading days, like buying tapes from like an American dealer, then moving on to a private guy doing DVDs of J- Japanese stuff that he gets like master copies of to, to this. It's, I can't even fathom like 10 year, 10 years ago, me 10 years ago thinking that this is, would be available on the internet. Like for the price point, it's not a bad price point either. Each of these services, it boggles my mind really. Man, we, we could have just uh, all chipped in, purchased a laptop to install at O'Grady's, and boom. <laughs> the ultimate nerds. We could have just watched we, we, uh, we, the live. Yeah, we could have just been like, okay, uh, Katie Vick angle. Let's see what else is on. <laughs> so we can watch instead. Uh, some other Noah notes. Um, Taiji Ishimori has announced he is leaving. He's 35 years old, has been with Noah for uh, for over a decade at this point and is looking to explore his options elsewhere, stating his ultimate goal is to get to the WWE following in the footsteps of Kenta and Shinsuke Nakamura. And 
Uh, what are your what are your prospects on Taiji Ishimori and making a dent in the North American scene? Certainly, he's been seen most recently with Impact Wrestling. Um, if his ultimate goal is the WWE, I think he's severely deluding himself about his own chances. First, his height, he's really short. Uh, he, I mean, he's, he's jacked to the gills, but he's really short. Two, language barrier. Uh, three, um, he's his age. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're, I think they're probably looking at like their investment in, in, uh, Hideo Tommy and thinking, hmm, he hasn't paid off. Akira Tozawa, they've kind of resigned, regulated to being on 205 Live. And Which is just, where I would imagine Ishimori to me, his ceiling would be 205 Live. I think he would actually get a decent push in Impact Wrestling because it seems like they want to, like, you know, if they get someone who's talented, okay, let's do something with them. He seemed, from what I've seen of him on Impact, like, he seemed, it seems like he's getting a push there. He's like the X Division champion. Like, he doesn't do anything as far as cutting a promo because he can. Um, I don't know. I, I really think he's, I, I would have thought his ultimate goal would have been trying to go to New Japan. If I'm him, I would try to go to New Japan if I'm leaving Noah. Yeah. Um, I would see, you know, if you're just looking for best opportunities, I would look at an Impact Wrestling as opposed to WWE. Um, if Ring of Honor was interested, that would, A, establish the connection with, with New Japan, and that would be an option for him. But you're right. Like, you've listed uh, three strikes against him in the WWE, and the age is going to be... Um, a tough one when you're you're 35, but there are options out there. Um, I just think he's going to have a tougher road than most. Where um, Taiji Ishimori is not the most well-known commodity in North America either. No, he hasn't. He hasn't set established himself as a top-level junior heavyweight in in like any country, like in Japan, like in Noah. So he he would have a lot of name value if he if he went to New Japan or if he went like because he's part of the Toriyaman system, right? Mm-hmm. He but he never debuted pro- properly for like either Toriyaman or Dragon Gate. If he went to Dragon Gate, I think he'd make a big impact, and they would use him. They don't because he has the perfect look for Dragon Gate, right? I don't know what what he's thinking. I applaud that he wants to take a chance. Good for him. But I think it's going to become very apparent very quickly for him, like. You're probably not going to get into WB unless you you're going to be like basically a jobber, handsome talent. That's it. Uh, since we last spoke, uh, Takeshi Sugiura won the GHC Championship, defeating uh, Kano, and he's going to defend the title against Atsushi Kotoge on April the 29th at their Great Voyage show in Niigata. We've also got the Global Tag League for Noah coming up, uh, which has actually began uh, last week, and that culminates April the 11th at. Core Q and Hall, are, are you following a lot of Noah at the moment? What has got your your prime focus at the moment beyond um, the New Japan Cup stuff that we just chatted about? I like the team of like Nakajima and Kitamiya, the aggression. I'm I'm following a bit of the tag league. It doesn't really excite me because like outside of maybe three teams, there's no one in there that I that like sets my sets my fire. You know, I I don't. I don't know where Noah's going to go in the next year. It just seems like, you know, Ishimori, I'm leaving. I think you're going to see a lot more departures. I don't know what their finances are like. Uh, it's, apparently, they sold out Hakata Star Lanes uh, last couple of weeks, which was which is good. They don't get to sell out too many venues. Um, no, I, I'm more interested now back into New Japan and, and All Japan now and a bit more into Dragon Gate. I'm really actually really 
really following uh, the storylines in stardom. There's some really cool stuff happening there, you know? Yeah, there's um there's a series that our friend Damian Abraham has worked on called The Wrestlers that it's going to be premiering hopefully soon on Vice and it's it it's actually aired a couple of episodes up here in Canada already and there's one episode on stardom and it's outstanding. It's it features like sit down interviews with a uh, Mayu Iwatani who her backstory is mind-blowing. Um Rossi Ogawa is interviewed on the feature as well. Um, you'll, you'll totally enjoy this episode. But uh, Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, it's kind of uh, really pulling the curtain back on, on stardom and looking at like how this operation is run, the role of the women with their fans. Um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. So you can keep your eyes on that. Um, any final thoughts on the, uh, the Champion Carnival WH? Do you have any broad predictions coming off your Zack Sabre Jr. call? of what to expect uh, over the next month from the champion carnival, other than some really cool uh, combinations, I would say in both blocks. I'm going to say that I'm going to be surprised if either Shingo Takagi or Naomi Chimarafuji don't go into the finals against some all Japan guy. One of these outsiders will go, will go to the finals. I'm going to say I want it to be Takagi, but I'm going to say Marafuji is going to go into the finals and probably win. He might win it because I think he's the name value that you need to like kind of establish Miyahara if he's the next challenger after the uh, carnival ends. So look at this lineup. We, we got in the A block, uh, Neoa Nomura, Yuji Hino, Shingo Takagi, Kento Miyahara, Joe Doring, Shuji Ishikawa, <coughs> Ryoji Sai, and the bodyguard. And then the B block has... Uh, Naomichi Marafuji, Suama, Jun Akiyama, Yoshitatsu, Yutaka Yoshi, Kai, and Dylan James, uh, the former James Rydeen. Uh, there are some great names in this. Oh, by the way, so I just mentioned Hakata Star Lanes. Yes. I got my tickets for that, for that Champions Carnival show, so I'll be going to that particular show. I'm really excited. Go to that venue finally. And I got a hell of a card. I, I don't have it in front of me though, but. It's one of the better champion carnival shows. Like they already have the match lineups. Everything. I have it in front of me here. So these are the tournament matches. WH will see live. Jun Akiyama against Suwama, Shingo oh, Takagi good. against Yuji Hino, Joe Doring, Ryoji Sai, and Shuji Ishikawa against Kento Miyahara. Yeah, it's good. It's it's a great show. Like I'm so excited. It's my first time to go to Fukuoka. Like it's my first time to see a show in Hakata Star Lanes. Maybe I'll get some bowling in after the show, before the show. We'll see. Yeah, I'm and I'm gonna try some Hakata ramen. I hear it's really good. Make you know Braden and Way really jealous. I'll take some pictures. It's gonna be. I'm really looking forward to the next month's show. So on our next show, we'll get a live report from WH, and I hope Hakata Star Lanes lives up to the billing. Now you have really, I, I hope so too. A bucket list venue for you. Maybe you'll get a live report of me eating some ramen. You never know, John. Well, uh, we're always open to food reviews on this show, so we will look forward to that. Uh, so next month, uh, we'll get WH's uh, review of that particular show. We'll bring you up to speed on whatever's going on in the Champion Carnival Tournament. Uh, by that point, we'll probably be getting close to the two Dontaku cards that New Japan is going to be running. And on top of that, uh, we are going to... Uh, tentatively plan next month uh, to go through at least some of the 
uh, different streaming services that are out there that WH uh, wants to navigate through. I don't know if we'll be able to get to all of them, WH. We might have to spread them out because they are growing. We Maybe we'll just stick with the Japanese ones yeah. and not bother with anything outside of Japan. So I'll just say right now that top right now I am subscribed to New Japan World. Uh, I just signed up for All Japan. I, I've subscribed to Stardom. Uh, I've I bit the bullet and I'm subscribing to Big Japan. We'll see how that goes. And I'm going to sign up for um, Dragon. I'm going to go for the 999 tier. I'm not going to go for the 1500 tier. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm on the boat. Like I'm on the fence about DDT Universe. I am exploring my options as far as that goes. Cool. Well, we will chat about those next month. And also, I wanted to uh, make mention of our good pal Chris Charlton, who has a uh, AMA going on on Reddit. Uh, following Strong Style Evolved on Sunday night. So go to the uh, the New Japan Pro Wrestling subreddit, and he'll be doing a AMA to promote his upcoming book, Eggshells, uh, which I'm sure we'll be chatting about quite a lot on this show and uh, and many others in the, uh, the weeks and months to come. So go check out that. And he is ReasonJP on Twitter. A must-follow, as is WH Park, who you can find at WH Park 9. And thanks, as always, WH. We're going to chat with you next month and uh, all the many news and happenings going on in the world of Japanese pro wrestling. Great. Thanks, John.